Well, good morning. How's everyone this morning? Are you excited? I mean, some of you are thinking, oh, I don't know, that last sermon, it was kind of it's kind of challenging. I had somebody come up to me after church and said, you know, I was really convicted by today's message and I scored a zero. So those of you that were with us uh, last week, you know what that means. Um, so how did it go with, uh, I, I got uh, connect cards from people that said, I'll turn my phone off for 30 minutes to an hour this week. How'd that go? Did you do it? Um, I, I, uh, I got a message this morning on my phone, by the way, um, and uh, I took a screenshot of it because I, I need to keep track of this. My weekly report, right? We talked about uh, how your uh, screen time is, at least in the iPhone, I don't know about Androids, but it's, it's uh, kept, it keeps track of it. And some of you haven't looked at that because you're afraid to. You're like, uh, I don't want to know, Okay. Well, you should look at it, because you need to know. Um, I, uh, I started practicing uh, what I talked about last Sunday right after church. We went to Lyris for lunch. Uh, I left, or, yeah, left my phone in the car, went inside, completely undistracted meal with my family. Of course, we talked about the sermon. And I was told by two different people as I was leaving Lyra's that they either tried to call me or sent me messages to check and see if I was doing what I was preaching about. Okay? So I, I, this, um, I was looking at this this morning because it came up as a notification, which we're going to talk about uh, later. Your screen time was down 38% last week. Woohoo! For an average of three hours and 19 minutes a day. Okay, when you start keeping track, now, all of that wasn't, you know, it tells you how much time you spend on Facebook. A lot of it was messaging. Um, a lot of it actually, uh, it, it, my phone actually tells you how many times you pick it up. Um, I had, what did I say, Sarah, last night, what, yesterday, it was like 211 times or something like that, that I picked my phone up. Well, I was playing music at the basketball game here in Lingle, so every time I picked it up to play a song, quarters, timeouts, you know, all that stuff, it, it, but it keeps track of that. It tells us what we need to curb, to, to be intentional and disciplined about how much we use it and how much we we rely on it. So I just wanted to check on that. Now, if you, if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to go online uh, either to our church Facebook page or uh, where you can actually watch it or, or uh, to our church website where you can listen to it and uh, listen to last week's message because, uh, you know, it was challenging. It was challenging. Um, somebody sent me this this week, this picture. Uh, I, <laughs> I love this. Um, Right? <laughs> wow, I forgot my phone. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so last week we said, you know, this series, for some of us, is an intervention. It, it, we need it. We need to recognize that our devices change us. And, and, and many of us, not to the good. Um, and, and we need to be aware of that. Um, now, again, I want to point out the fact that technology is great. It's wonderful. It can do lots of things. Okay, I'm not saying chuck it. I'm saying let's use it because I'm not going to stop using it. But, but let's be digitally disciplined. That was kind of our catchphrase at the end of the service last week. Let's be digitally disciplined. 
Okay? Now, uh, last week we talked about how our devices are a distraction. This week we're going to talk about the fact that left to our own devices, our phones can, uh, and other things, can create insecurities in our life. Okay? Uh, first, let's define insecurity. Insecurity is a noun, and it's this. It's an uncertainty or anxiety about oneself. It's a lack of confidence. Okay? Do you ever feel insecure? Do you ever have a day where you don't feel insecure about something? Um, do you ever feel that the world's eyes are on you and you better step it up or you're going to end up a failure? Whether that's at the end of the day or at the end of a basketball game or at the end of work. Now, I definitely don't always feel secure. I've shared that with you. I've talked about some of the things that, that create insecurity in my life. And I do wrestle with it on a daily basis. Uh, insecurity, jobs, our looks, our intelligence. Uh, Satan can use those things from the world in our life to, to discourage us and to depress us and make us feel insecure. So where do you feel the most insecure? Think about that. Where do you feel the most insecure? How often does that fight or flight mode get engaged in your life in the course of a day? And when it does, you know, when your blood pressure, your, your heart rate's over 100 beats per minute, and, and you're, you're thinking, and, and you're becoming anxious about something, where do you go? What's the first thing that you do to try and relieve that anxiety? And, and I would say we tend to go to a place or a thing that will help us not feel that way. And what is that for you? What is your first go-to place? For some people, it's their phone. For some people, it's alcohol. For some people, it's, it's something else. It's, it's not just about technology. If you're, if you're an, an, a person and, you know, you were one of those people last week when I asked if you still use a flip phone, you raise your hand. If you're, if you're one of those people, okay, there are other, you're not off the hook in this sermon series, <laughs> Okay, there are many things in our life that can become this. Did anyone in here have a child, or as you were a child growing up, had a security blanket? Anybody have a security blanket? Okay, or maybe it was a teddy bear, or uh, you know, my, I asked my wife. I said, "Did because I was hoping to bring you a security blanket, you know, that one of our children had tattered, you know, well used. They wouldn't go anywhere without it." And and Sarah said, "No way. I didn't let our kids get attached to something like that." Okay, but. You know, some of us did, and, and I would have loved to have had a stinky, old, dry, slimed security blanket, because that's kind of how they turn out, right? And, and those of you that had one, you, you probably couldn't go anywhere without it, possibly. You certainly couldn't go to sleep at night without that thing that you found your security in, that security blanket. Well, our phones have become sort of a security blanket of sorts. Um, we, when we start feeling anxiety, it's like, okay, uh, I don't want to talk to real people. I don't want to talk to people. So we go to the one-sided conversations, digitally, online, or, or we go to the news, to, to, or we... We go to the local news page where we can read the police report about people that we know that are worse than us, okay, to feel better about ourselves, and we, we compare ourselves to other people. Um, 
Maybe it's, you know, taking online quizzes or, uh, um, you know, again, commenting. You, you see somebody post something and you're just really opposed to whatever they've posted and so you're like, well, I'll tell them and you type out this really long thing of why they're wrong or why they're an idiot, right? Okay. Um, maybe you don't use your phone that way. But, but, but maybe your phone does provide endless options for some sort of distraction. Um, some sort of comfort on a moment-to-moment basis. Studies show that 95% of Americans own a cell phone. 90, 95% of Americans own a cell phone. Now, I don't know what that means, if that includes every American. So if you have you know, kids that are not quite 14 yet and don't have one, they're probably the 5%. Um, you know, I remember seeing future inventions in the magazine called Popular Science or Popular Mechanics, um, a magazine. Some of you don't know what that is, but um, those things that are in doctor's offices laying on the table, those are called magazines um, with the slick pages. Um, I used to look in those, and I used to think, wow, look at all this science fiction stuff. I mean, just imagine, there's no way this would ever happen, that you would actually be able to talk to somebody and see them on the other end, right? I mean, that's the Jetsons kind of stuff. You can buy stocks. You can, you can navigate. You can, uh, you can fly airplanes right now with your phone, the, the maps and all the stuff that's available. It's, it's available right there on, on your phone. Um, we also often use them to tell the world what we're doing this very moment. I've, I've, I've made the statement before that I, I don't necessarily like going with Caleb Kinnaman to places because everybody knows everywhere where I am. Because, you know, he posts something to Facebook. Now, some of that's good. Some of that's good. But there is such thing as over the top. All right? Um, we are living in the I generation. Uh, listen to this. The rate of adolescents reporting a recent bout of clinical depression grew by 37% between the year 2004 and 2014. What do you think happened in, in that decade? Phones. It's one of the, it's, it's one of the biggest things. Um, with one in six girls reporting an episode in the past year, and this is according to John Hop- Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. It's a research study that they did. And according to a recent analysis by the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, the suicide rate among teenage girls reached an all-time high in 2015. The analysis found an increase in teen suicides across the board from 07 to 2015, and it increased 31% for teen boys, and it doubled for teen girls. Doubled. Why? Anxiety. Fear. Depression. Many, I would say, from their phones, but of course there are many other things that could be added to this, right? Some of us find our security in money or computers or games or work or a man or a woman, a substance like alcohol or an illegal drug. 
Um, to me, as I think about kids, uh, bullying is a big issue in our country today, and, and kids are becoming discouraged and suicidal because of that. And I, and I mentioned this last week. If you are being bullied on Facebook, what is the logical thing to do? Stay off of Facebook, right? Easier said than done. Because we're drawn to it. We, we want to see. Uh, there's this cartoon that I saw this week. What can we do to stop living in fear? Yes! That! So grab your note sheet. Two ways our phones cause insecurity in our lives. The first is this. We compare and we never measure up. We compare and we never measure up. Paul talks about this struggle with comparison in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Uh, it's up here on the screen. Paul says this, We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. In fact, in another translation, it's translated, um, they are ignorant. Paul says this isn't good this is not a good thing, comparing ourselves to each other. It's not wise, Paul says, but what happens, what do we do? What do we do every day on our phones? Uh, the leaders in the Corinthian churches were wondering if they were good enough. That happens to me. I'll watch videos of pastors preaching online, and I wonder, oh, sometimes it's like, oh, I wish I could, I wish I could communicate the way he does. I wish I had the memory that he does. I wish, I wish, I wish. And what am I doing? I'm comparing myself to him. Think about the last time you were on your phone. Maybe that was five minutes ago. Maybe it was 30 seconds ago. Um, excluding your Bible, which you might be looking at on your phone this morning, what were you more than likely doing? What were you more than likely doing? It, be honest with me. How many of you looked at Facebook this morning? Raise your hand. I'm, I got my hand up. I looked at, oh, Gloria's like. Okay. Listen to this. In 2017, it, you, you know, 95% of Americans have cell phones. No big deal, right? We all need to have a phone. Instead of being at home, we carry it with us, right? Get this. 80% of Americans have had a social media presence in 2017. 80% have a social media presence. I mean, and what do we mostly see on social media? Okay, perfection, right? We see good stuff, amazing stuff, right? You see you see posts by people that you know for a fact their life isn't going as good as they're presenting on Facebook, right? We know they're struggling with things. We know that life is hard for them. And, and we're looking at all of these pictures, you know, doctored selfies. One of the ads that's been coming up constantly in my Facebook page is, is this Photoshop program that you could remove all of the people but you and somebody else in a picture and you can move yourself and put you on a beach somewhere else and then post it on Facebook. Who knows what's real and what isn't anymore? Have you ever looked at somebody and go, I'm not sure they look like that. I mean, usually when they have ears and, you know, a nose and that sort of thing, you can tell that the picture's been doctored. But sometimes those filters, you never, you're not quite sure. 
Okay, what goes through our minds when we're seeing those things? I'll tell you what goes through our minds. Gee, I wish I was there. Wish I looked that good. Wish my kids were that successful. Or you see a gender reveal on, on Facebook and you think, wow, I wish we could have kids. I mean, think about it. Insecurity creeps in, right? Insecurity. What about online dating? Now, there's a, there's a platform that, that creates insecurity, right? Let's just put our picture and a description of who we are out there for everyone to see and say, yep, nope, yep, nope. And then be on the other side of that. Why did they nope? I don't know. Because I'm ugly. Or because I, right? Insecurity. Insecurity. Um, Then there's this new thing called ghosting. Have you ever heard of ghosting? Um, There's actually an online dictionary definition of it. Okay? It's this, the practice of ending a personal relationship with someone by suddenly and without explanation withdrawing from all communication. So, you know, you're having this online conversation, you talk on the phone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, with this person, and then all of a sudden, they're not replying to your emails anymore or your messages or they're not answering your phone calls. Now, back in the day, when a relationship wasn't going that great, you know, we're dating and stuff, and and it's like, well, you you know what we did? We had conversations face-to-face. We didn't just leave them hanging in the middle of the air wondering, doesn't that make you feel secure? They promote insecurity. Our phones amplify our insecurities. Paul says it's ignorant to compare yourselves with others. Here's the truth. Comparing our lives to other people will steal our joy, kill contentment, and cause deep insecurity. Tony says this in 12 Ways Your Phone Is, is Changing You. The, the two books that, that I'm reading as sort of some background stuff is, is at the bottom of your note sheet. If you see that your family is struggling with the use of technology, you think you're in deep, you know, you need, uh, you need an intervention, these two books would be great to read, as a parent especially. Um, anyway, this is what Tony says. This approval addiction must be why Jesus expressly warns us not to seek human praise by our obedience. He warns us not to flaunt our works online in order to be praised by others. Beware of practicing, this is Matthew chapter 6 verse 1, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Okay, Jesus said this. He's saying don't proclaim your righteousness because You know, if you serve someone, don't tell a bunch of people about it because when you do, when they say good job, etc., that's your reward. You've just canceled out anything that you would get from the Father who is in heaven. Consider this example. Imagine setting aside a few weeks of your summer vacation to travel on dirt roads and bump around in loud jeeps winding deep into remote jungle villages in Central America. Okay, you go on a short-term mission trip, essentially. You risk fevers, diseases, and and heat stroke, all in order to help build an orphanage for 20 destitute kids. That's your mission. You're serving God. That's why you went there. At the end of the month, you, you step back, you snap a selfie with the orphanage and everything, And you post it with pride on Facebook. Poof. 
the reward is gone. That's what Tony says, okay? Think about it, okay? In one humble slash brag selfie, the reward is gone. Think about it. The trade is made. Eternal reward from God is sold for the porridge of maybe 80 likes and 12 comments of praise. Context, okay, is not the point. We do this same sort of thing with pictures of an open Bible in a coffee shop at 6 o'clock in the morning. Could it be, Tony says, that my application of Jesus' words is too rigid and not focused on the heart intent of the, of the act? Perhaps. Okay, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say taking a picture of a mission trip and posting it for everyone that was praying for you would be such a bad idea for them to see the fruit of their prayers and, and how they were a part of that. But he says this, perhaps, but shouldn't we check ourselves through concrete examples like these? Why do you post what you post? We must agree that at some level, Jesus said that publishing our good works online for our followers to see is all the reward we'll get, and the trade is horrible. The trade is horrible. Too often, we just don't think about it, right? We just get, we just get wrapped up and involved in the online technology thing, and we just go with the flow, and we do what everybody else is doing. John Piper says it this way, you lose something great and you gain something pitiful. (laughs) What do you gain? You gain the praise of man. You want it, you get it. It's like a drug. It gives a buzz and then it is gone. You have got to have another fix and it leaves you always insecure. You are always needy of other people's praise in order to be happy or to feel secure. You are never satisfied. I mean, I've been there. I've posted a picture. And then I check it like every half hour to see how many people have liked it and how many times it's been reshared. Does that ever happen to you? You know what? (laughs) I don't think that's a good thing. Should we just ditch our phones and social media? Maybe. Maybe. We certainly need to go after the root. So where is our true value found? Where is our true value found? Paul knew. First, Paul says, and this is the little chart that's in your, uh, in your note sheet. First, in 1 Thessalonians 1.4, Paul says, You are chosen by God. You are chosen by God. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. From before time, the Bible says, we were chosen by him. Chosen by God. We, were, we have been redeemed and forgiven, Paul says in Colossians 1.14, in whom we have Jesus, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It's in Jesus Christ alone. We are complete in Christ. Ephesians 2.5, Jesus made us alive, or God made us alive with Christ Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Man, I say if if somebody is willing to give their life for another person, that other person has value. 
It's not because of what they do or what they look like or what they post or how good the food on that plate looks when they snap the picture. And then Paul says, we are God's masterpiece. Let this sink in, Ephesians 2.10. Let this sink in this morning. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. For we are God's handiwork. Paul, now, Paul didn't worry about comparing himself to others because he knew where his value came from. Although having said that, we're going to read some other verses where I think maybe it might have been a struggle with Paul. I think Paul might have struggled with some of these things, and that's why he writes about them. He knows. He's lived it. He knew, though, that his security was found in Jesus Christ. Over and over and over, We've, I've used this phrase before, we see that Paul is a Christ-intoxicated man. He is under the influence of Jesus Christ in his life. And he seeks to be only under the influence of Jesus Christ. This is true for all those who are in Christ. Our value comes from who God says we are. Chosen. Redeemed and forgiven, complete in Christ and his masterpiece. You know, when you're tempted to post a selfie for the benefit of feeling good about yourself, remember these things. You know, in, in your, on your Connect card, I believe uh, the challenge for us this week is to, uh, when we're tempted to pick up our phone and check it, to instead um, focus on Jesus uh, every, the average adult, okay, the average adult checks their phone every 4.3 minutes. Now, I'm not saying don't check your phone, because we have to. Maybe not every 4.3 minutes. But when you do, if, if you can begin to consciously make it a habit of when you pick up your phone to do something, use that as a reminder to think about how much Jesus loves you. To worship God in that moment. Maybe you're getting ready to respond to somebody in a text message or, or on Facebook. Maybe you just stop for a moment and say, God, uh, help me be sure that what I'm about to do is glorifying to you. And then you do whatever it is that you were going to do. Our phones cause insecurity in our lives because... They encourage us. They help us to compare ourselves with other people. The second reason our phones cause insecurity in our lives is because we seek approval from others. We seek approval from others. We often do more than just compare ourselves, or actually I think this is probably the next step of that feeling insecure. In order to feel more secure, we think we just need to be noticed more. Even though he lived centuries before us, Paul experienced this same thing. This isn't just a technology-based thing. I did not have cell phones when I was four. Remember? They were dial, and they were permanently attached in the hallway in our house where we had to go actually stand next to it to talk on the phone. That was my life growing up. But I, can, but I know 
that there wasn't a moment in the day where I thought my mom or my dad was watching me where I didn't look up and say, hey, watch, dad. Watch me do this. Look at me do this. Right? From very early on, we seek attention, approval. And it just, later on in our life, and right now especially, I think, in this technological age, feeds into that insecurity. Because if we do something and and somebody notices, then in our mind, it lacked value. Well, if God told you to do that thing, whatever it is, and nobody noticed, who cares? You didn't do it for them anyway, right? Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Who am I trying to please, Paul says. Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, Paul says, I would not be a servant of Jesus. It's pretty challenging to me. What if we lived by, like Paul, serving Christ first in all that we do? In all that we say. 2 Corinthians 10 18, Paul says this For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one who the Lord commends. Now, easier said than done, I know. But we, we must spend time with God to hear from him. We, we got to be in his presence. His voice. His voice should be the loudest in our life. And I, I would say his voice, if, if we're listening to him, will be the loudest. It will be the loudest thing we hear. His voice will drown out all the other voices. The other voices that say that you're not good enough that you don't look pretty enough, that you're not thin enough, that that you're not good enough at your job. I do also notice that, you know, we do need approval from our parents, right? We do need attention from our parents. And parents with young children, today you're fighting something that I didn't have to fight, the cell phone in your hand. I didn't have to intentionally put it away so I could only focus on my children. I just didn't have it. So you do have a big challenge as you raise your kids in today's culture. Now, it's, it's easy to seek approval on social media, isn't it? In fact, to have people like things that you post is very addictive. You think, wow, what do you mean? I've heard that word addictive about other things. Well, Adam Alter, professor and author, says this. The minute you take a drug, drink alcohol, smoke a cigarette, when you get a like on social media, all of those experiences produce dopamine, which is a chemical associated with pleasure. When someone likes any content that you share, it's a little bit like taking a drug. As far as your brain is concerned, it's a very similar experience. Have you ever thought about that? In the, in, in the digital age, we can ignore bodies, but we can also abuse them. We can ignore this stuff, but we can also 
uh, abuse it. I want you to meet Asina O'Neill. Uh, if you're... Uh, if, if you've had any sort of, if you had any online presence maybe pre-2015, because she's not on the internet anymore. Uh, she's from Australia. Um, let me read this about you. Asina, about her. Asina, as a 19-year-old Australian model, accumulated 500,000 Instagram followers. Once poised to make a career from online endorsement deals, think about this. She's being successful in something that many people hold up on a high pedestal. 500,000 followers. A half a million people are following her on Instagram. In 2015, she calls it quits. She deletes most of her pictures, over 2,000, and revised the remaining descriptions to unmask the true motives behind the images, mostly sponsored product placements. Why the drastic move? Asina had come to see that her online life was hollow, fake, and self-centered. Quote, over-sexualization, perfect food photos, perfect travel vlogs. It is textbook how I got famous, she admitted. But it was all part of a downward spiral she came to regret. Everyone goes through life differently, she said. Myself growing up with social comparing so easily available, it consumed me. I spent ages 12 to 16 wishing I was someone else. Then I spent ages 16 to 19 constantly molding myself, editing and self-promoting the best parts of my life, which turned into a massive career based on numbers and how I looked aesthetically. Today, Asina said, I simply no longer want to compare my life with anyone else's edited highlights. Amen. I want to put all of those hours I looked into a screen into my real life goals, personal relationships, and aspirations. Now, she made that decision. She did a little video to tell all of her followers what she had done, and it went viral. Many people attacked her and said, oh, it's just a publicity stunt. She's just, you know, she's just doing this for attention. Four years later, that was 2015, you can write her name down, you can look her up, it's not there. She has no online presence. Her, her Instagram page is, is one picture, and it says, essentially, this is all fake, don't go here. Don't do this. I would think if it was a publicity stunt, she would be back there already doing everything that she was doing before. Uh, I read an article that said uh, that, that right now, she's 22 right now. Uh, the article said she's looking for a job and she's writing a book. There's nothing wrong with that. And spending her time with actual people. Our phones can amplify our insecurity, can't they? Uh, The comparison game is huge, and we simply have to stop. We need to fully embrace God's love for us. We need to fight against that. Uh, We need to daily focus on our value in Christ. But how do we do that? All right, I want to give you four, four solutions to reduce the insecurity that technology may be causing in your life, okay? In the, the last 10 minutes or so of the message here. 
The first solution is this. We need to pay attention to the pull. And there is one. If you sit at home watching TV and your phone is sitting on your leg, it has pull. If, if you set it on the back of the couch and it makes a noise and you can't help yourself but grab it. All right, I, I scored a six last week, okay? I've never texted myself during the sermon, so I didn't get the bonus point. It's real to me. The pull, it's real. We need to pay attention to that. Um, one thing that we can do to give our phone less of a voice and less control is to turn off push notifications. You know what that is, right? Whenever a banner comes up on your phone or it vibrates and it's, it's breaking news from ESPN, you know, da-na-na, da-na-na. I turned that one off this week. It was really hard. Just do that. Turn off notifications so your phone isn't calling to you every 10 minutes. It's okay to look at that stuff once a day or, you know, for some of us, once an hour would be a lot less time than what we're, we're currently doing. You know, breaking news from, from other places, Instagram, an Instagram post, a Facebook post, a, a, a Telegram or whatever, all of that. Um, the second thing that you can do is you can actually set time restraint constraints. I mentioned this last week. You can choose portions of the day, at least on the iPhone, um, when your screen is off and it won't let you in. So that you force yourself to not look at it. If that's what it takes, I say do it. Um, also, I mean, basically, just take steps to make a change. If, if, if this has been, high, has been super challenging to you and you know that you spend way too much time with technology, social media, all of that, um, just make a change. Delete Delete some apps. Delete social media or a, a particular game. Uh, I, I've been impressed with several people that I know who have made a change. I had a conversation with somebody. Uh, they said, guess what I did? What? I deleted my Snapchat account. You did what? I mean, I've never had one. So I have no idea what it is. Anyway, this person said, I was, I was super challenged by a talk that I heard. Uh, and she said, you know what, I just thought, when I'm a parent and I'm talking to my children or my grandchildren, uh, she had had a, they have this thing called a streak in, in Snapchat. Maybe some of you kids have a streak in Snapchat. It's you have to Snapchat something and the other person has to Snapchat something and you keep that streak up. Um, this person's streak was like over 365 days. They had done that at least once, once a day. Okay. Uh, I read this morning that the longest streak it was like 794 days. Every day, that app called their name, and if they didn't do it, they lost their streak. Okay? I've done that in a game before as well. It was a requirement to do a certain thing every day, and I did. And I thought, you know what? It's just what I do. I get up in the morning, I read my Bible, and I do this thing on this game. Sometimes not in that order. Just delete it. Uh, anyway, this person said, I, I didn't think it would, you know, my kids would be all that thrilled with me telling them how long my Snapchat streak was. 
What are the important things in our life? Um, somebody, you guys probably know who it was if, you're on, if you have an online presence, but yesterday somebody, somebody posted that, uh, that they were having trouble with the sound on their Instagram account. They couldn't get it to work. They tried this, they tried that, and I suggested maybe... Uh, sounds like a good excuse to just delete it to me. That's what I said. Of course, I had to put a smiley face because my wife was like, you got to be careful. Don't judge people. I was just poking fun. And this person actually responded with, maybe. Maybe. Why not? Aren't there more important things to do in our life than that. A second solution is this. Reduce the ins- to, that will re- reduce the insecurity that technology may be causing in your life. Aim to give God glory. I, I already touched on this, but uh, aim to give God glory in everything that you do. You know, God wants you to work. God created work for us. We, sh- we glorify God by doing a-, a good job and working hard at our job. We do. Um, there are some other things that we do, or actually, if we do our job with a terrible attitude, that isn't so glorifying to God. Let's, let's seek to glorify God in everything that we do, including how we use our phones, what we spend our time doing, what our priorities in life are. A third solution to faithfully practice what we are doing this morning is this. Gather in worship together. Okay? Physically Physically together, uh, we are all, you are all here this morning, this is the choir, okay? Preaching to the choir here. But church attendance, coming together as a community is important. Physically, it's, it's important because it's drawing us away from our online lives. It, it, some of you don't necessarily like, you're an introvert, you don't necessarily like to talk to people. This, gets us, this helps us to get out of that box and rub shoulders with other believers and be challenged and, and to be sharpened, to, to worship God together, gather and worship together. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. See, the writer of Hebrews knew the technology was coming. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. It's approaching. It seems like it's closer than it's ever been before. So what do we do? We need to gather together and encourage one another and love and challenge each other. Now, I realize that some can't help it. Some can't actually physically come to church. And the online thing is a wonderful way but don't use it as an excuse. If you wake up kind of late some Sunday morning and you think, ah, we'll just watch it online today. Don't, don't let that pull win out. Let's be together. And listed last but, not the, but, but the most important solution to reduce insecurity that technology creates is to experience and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. John 3, 14, 15, and 16. The end of of 14. So the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life 
in him. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus when Nicodemus was saying, how, how can we be saved? And he's talking, he's using the example from the Old Testament of when Moses raised the serpent and everybody looked at it and was saved. Oh, God prepared them so many times for the coming of the Savior. So the Son of Man must be lifted up. Jesus said that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's where our security comes from. That's the security that gives hope and peace and joy in our daily life. Not the likes and the shares that we get on stuff that we do online. We gotta be careful that we're not trying to get peace and joy and happiness out of those things. That we're only looking to Jesus Christ. And then I think this is great. Jesus follows that up in verses 17 and 18 when he says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. That's not why Jesus came, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. John 3, 17 and 18. You know, if, if you don't totally understand putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you're just not sure what to do, mark that on your Connect card. We would love to visit. I would love to have coffee with you or a soda or a glass of water and talk about what it means to Put your faith and trust in Jesus. You see, we can't compare our spiritual journey to anyone else's. In Christ, you are loved, adopted, redeemed, and forgiven. You are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. That's where our security must come from. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your amazing grace. Father, thank you for the challenge that this series has been to me. And Father, I pray that, that all of us would, would take into account the things that, that we have in our life and the priorities that we give them. And Father, I pray that as we walk out these doors today that, that we, there would be something that we just can't shake, that we just can't let go. Father, help us to, to make a change. Not to make excuses, but in repentance fall down before you. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, take a step into your presence to be still and know that you are God. And Father, as we close with these last two songs and as we give of our tithes and our offerings and as we, as we make commitments, as we check mark boxes and we say, yes, I will do this, and we let other people know, Father, the glory, may the glory go to you. And may we more and more each day experience what it's like to be in the presence of our Creator and our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. As we start this last